0: Welcome to the Finding Yourself Single Podcast. Finding Yourself Single is a podcast for post-40 singles, navigating life after divorce, transitioning to being single, building a new life, trying to create positive family dynamics, and exploring new relationships. Here are your hosts, Brian Berger and Katie Katzman.
1: Welcome to the Finding Yourself Single Podcast. This is season one, episode six, where we're wrapping up our very first even. Listen to all episodes of the Finding Yourself Single podcast on Apple and Spotify podcasts and podcast platforms everywhere. Follow the Finding Yourself Single podcast on Instagram at Finding Yourself Single and on Twitter at FindYourselfSNG. Email the hosts with your personal story of how you're finding yourself single or submit topic and guest suggestions at single at gmail. Dot .com. In this episode navigating grief and loss, we're joined by Rosie Fox from Healing Our Hearts, which she has founded and works as an advanced grief specialist. Rosie is also a certified drug and alcohol counselor and has spent over 30 years in addictions counseling and holds a bachelor's degree in psychology. She has a thriving group and one-on-one practice and also trains other mental health professionals to help their clients Work through grief. You can learn more about Rosie and how to work through grief at healingourheartsnow.com. I am joined by my amazing co host, Brian Berger. How's it going, Brian?
0: Wow, amazing. Thank you, Katie. You're That's welcome. quite a compliment. It's going really well. And this conversation is so powerful. You know, I feel like all the guests that we've had on for season one have been insightful and remarkable, but this one really hit home with me on a lot of different levels. And, you know, I know you've worked with Rosie before. Um, This was my first opportunity to speak with her and she's just wonderful and so helpful and gives out some terrific insight and helpful tips on processing grief and loss that I think our audience is going to find really valuable.
1: Yeah. I, I think they will too. I, I described Rosie as like the real deal. You know, she's, yeah. she's, uh, you know, salt of the earth and she knows her stuff and look, you I mean, she's been in this work for three decades or more. And um, when I met her, we met through a business group, actually. And it was really interesting as we were in this room with 80 different business owners of different types of businesses. And I had the yoga studio and she was the grief specialist. And I remember <laughs> she stood up and introduced herself and everybody had to. And I remember you know, the way everybody responded to her was so interesting. And I realized that, you know, she she really had affected people in that room. And many of them had gone to her for, you know, her, for for grief and and loss you know support so um over the course of the year I got to know her and then I actually worked with her myself so i you know i i feel that work i did with her was really impactful in my life and i and i did it actually kind of like during towards the end of my marriage beginning of my divorce and it really helped me navigate and And uh, put things in place. And I I feel like there's something in my toolkit now that I can use forever. So, um, anyway, she's going to give a lot of great information.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of my main takeaways was this is an ongoing process. This is not something that you just get over. You know, you don't get over divorce, you don't get over estrangement like I'm experiencing with my daughter. It's a long process. And, you know, I think it's even more detailed than I had thought before we had this conversation with Rosie and, you know, rolling up your sleeves and journaling and starting out your relationship with people and, you know, going through workbooks and, and really deep diving into the relationship and figuring out like, what was your part in this? What was the other person's part? And, you know, how do you try and, not move on, but like cope, right? And, um, you know, I think there's different levels of loss as she describes, right? Um, But there's a lot of things I think that will surprise our audience after listening to this conversation from Rosie. Like a lot of people think of loss and grief as death, right? But there's so many other forms of loss that take place over the course of a person's life. And those can be, equally as devastating um so i just you know i think i went into this conversation thinking one thing about loss and grief and i come out of it thinking there's a lot more to this than meets the eye and it is an ongoing process to try and uh cope with this as best as you can
1: yeah it, it is different than than you might think and i was the same way and there's this actual process called the rego- uh, grief recovery process that she works with and um and that is it's is really is a um an in-depth process but you can pick up a lot of things from this talk this conversation mm-hmm. even if you don't do that and one of the things that I think is so important for for people in our stage of life and you know finding ourselves and letting go is is to really realize that when you have anger when you have resentment when you have you know, any of these feelings, it's really not about the other person. It's, it really is, you know, it really is about you. Those are your feelings. And uh, no matter who, you know, you can be mad at them, angry at them, but it really has to do with you working through these feelings. And that's where you free yourself up. And that's what she can help with. And um, so I think it's a really interesting uh, conversation. It's also, it, it's, you know, I think it gets to be insightful and fun at, at, at certain points. And it's, it's, it's difficult too, but um, yeah, I'm really excited about this one.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this after speaking with Rosie, I know you've worked with her. If, if I have the opportunity to work with her, I would work with her in two seconds. I, mm-hmm. I really think he could help someone like me and, you know, probably help our our listeners as well. Um, but you know, another one of my takeaways is I still have a lot to process. You know, you think you may be ahead of where you are and I'm not, and, um, I have a lot to process. So, you know, working with someone who specializes in advanced grief specialists like Rosie is different than just working with a therapist who doesn't specialize in grief and, Um, You know, I have a wonderful therapist and I adore her, but I also think working with Rosie potentially could uh, complement my work with my ongoing therapist.
1: Absolutely. And and actually, when I did my work with her, I think it was covid. So I had to do it everything online in which Mm. it was just as effective. You know, we met online uh, one hour a week and took about eight weeks. And that's the that's that's the timeline. So um, it's something that anybody can do, you know, and no matter where you are in the country or the world, really, and you can find somebody to work with or you can go in person. But um I think it was very effective even being online, maybe even easier because you can be in your own home. You don't have to get in the car and, you know, go somewhere else. So it's kind of nice. But yeah, that's great, Brian. I really do. I really do. And I think people, other people out there, I hope they you know, hear, hear this and, and take a step, you know, to, to uh, continue that healing process.
0: Yeah. I look back at some of the guests that we've had in season one and, you know, kind of pinch myself. Like we, we've just learned so much from the experts that have joined us. And, you know, I, I think we finish off season one really strong with this conversation with Rosie.
1: Yeah, we really, really do. And uh, we want to remind our listeners too, that since this is our last episode of the season, to make sure you listen all the way to the end of this one, because we have a special closing that we want everyone to hear. We're going to talk a little bit more about what is next. Okay, so let's get into it. We're going to get started now with our interview, Navigating Grief and Loss with Rosie Fox.
0: Rosie, thank you so much for joining us on the Finding Yourself Single podcast. Let's start with this. What are the losses that typically trigger grief? Most people think about death, but I assume there's other losses as well.
2: Oh yeah. There's a the thing that I find more interesting than anything, I think is the loss of the you know, the things that we missed out on, you know, the coulda, woulda, shouldas, you know, the dreams, the expectations, you know, the significance of the relationship, you know, this the familiar pattern of behaviors, right? So when people lose somebody, whether it's death, whether it's, you know, estrangement, you know, after a while, like I've said before, is that we start, you know, we can get used to, I don't even know if it's called used to, but we can like. Kind of deal with the fact that, you know, they're not coming around anymore. You're not going to see them. But it's like the every day and year after year, those little, little moments that you miss, those special things that you used to do with them, being able to talk to them again, you know, there's a lot of grief in that, you know, there's a lot of grief in, you know, people take for granted our relationships. You know, on a day-to-day basis, you think they're always going to be there. I mean, we know that death is imminent, it's going to come, right? Intellectually. But emotionally, when it happens, no one I think is ever prepared. So let's say someone doesn't die and someone gets divorced or someone um, doesn't have the relationship like their friend has with their spouse or with their child, Um, they start to Start to kind of like, you know, I I would say probably long for that and go, wow, wouldn't that be great if I could have that kind of relationship? When my mom passed away and I went on that boat, you know, for a vacation because it was recommended, you know, we guys need vacation. I went there and I started seeing other mothers and grandmothers with their children and their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And there was incredible grief that came up. Incredible you know, because even though my mom was a dynamite grandma and she was there for their, a lot of their years, she I knew because of her death, she was going to miss the rest of their years. And I missed what we had. You know, I missed that day to day, year to year, even the beginnings of her being a grandma. You know, we grieve that even, even though that, like it's like kids are maturing and you love the fact that they're getting older and everything. Like I have a grandbaby right now. I'm grieving a little bit, believe it or not, of him when he was first born, when he was this the peewee. And now he's this, you know, I call him my chunky monkey, you know, because he's got meat on him and he's walking now and he's not you know, easy to take around anymore. And, you know what I mean? I miss that, you know, his little clothes. I look at his little clothes and I get sad thinking he's not going to wear this again. Does that sound silly? No, but- you know, Rosie,
1: it's interesting, too, I remember so many things you taught me when I worked with you that were grief that I had no idea, like things like moving or, you know, any kind of loss. I'm sorry, losses. Yeah, losses like moving was a loss. Even getting married was a loss because you're losing your single life. Getting divorced is a loss because you're losing or you're losing a zillion things. But, you know, there's so many different, which we want to talk about in a little bit. But, there's so many things that, that are losses that one might not realize trigger grief.
0: Right. What
1: are some of those
2: things that you wouldn't think of? Well, in terms of like when you're when you're moving or, or even, you know, like health, right? When you lose your health, when you lose, let's say, um, as we get older, we're not able to do things like we used to do. We are grieving that stability, that stamina we used to do. You know, like I used to be able to go up those stairs with no problems and now I'm huffing and I'm puffing, or I've lost the limb and I'm not able to go do the things hiking anymore, or I've hurt a you know, leg and i got to have knee surgery, my knee doesn't work like it used to, you know? Um, I'm grieving that. I'm grieving the fact that, like you said, you know, when we move, you know, we're grieving um, even the little stuff, like the convenience places that you used to go to that are no longer there where you moved to, or the neighbor you know, that good old grandma neighbor next door that you could rely on any time when you needed someone to watch your house when you went on vacation. You know, I all my neighbors are gone that I came with here with, you know, that I moved to. So we had this problem recently and there was no neighbors to reach out to, you know, and it was like, I wish I miss my neighbor, my good old neighbor that used to be there for everything. And she became part of our family unit because we got so close, you know. And it's that dependability, you know, and so when you go through a divorce, too, it's like that partnership, that dependability that that, you know, you know that they got your back, even in the maybe the worst times in your life, you at least knew there was somebody was going to be home, you know, <laughs> Well, you weren't going to walk into an empty house, you know, and if you really needed that person, oh, they would come and help you fix your tire. You know, I mean, I have women that say, you know, I don't have anybody to do that anymore even though I mean, the relationship wasn't working anymore, I at least knew that I had, you know, somebody to drop me off at the doctors, you know, (laughs) pick me up at the dentist when I have Novocaine and I can't drive, you know, whatever. And now it's like, oh,
0: Rosie, are there physical signs of grief? Like you just mentioned, you know, one form is if you can't climb those stairs anymore and you're, you're, you know, that's an obvious one. Are there other ones that kind of sneak up on us when we're going through grief and we may not even know that these are signs and, and our body is telling us that we're grieving?
2: Yeah, a lot of signs. There are signs where you start to, some people, I've, I have a client right now that is going and checking out his heart. I mean, he they're seriously thinking he's got heart problems. And I said, you know, are you journaling? Well, not really. I'm like, this could be stress. He goes, well, my doctor said that too. And I said, and emotions attack your body and c- create stress, right? When you're not processing them. So I have people that have that. I have people that get irritable bound syndrome, you know, where they constantly have stomach issues. It's, that's about grief for a lot of people. Uh, it's about emotions that are trapped, you know? And then I have people that have back aches, chronic back neck problems. And when they start releasing some of that grief, and then we have people that actually massage therapists that are trained and they, they talk about that, the body knows. And they start working on those areas, it releases. And they will say, people will cry on the table, literally cry on the table because it's those emotions that are getting released, you know, that are hidden in parts of our bodies. Uh, people get shingles, you know, that are related to grief. People get um, chronic Epstein-Barr, MS, fibromyalgia, um, cancers. I mean, you can't, it's incredible what emotions can do to your body stress, you know. And if you see a really good doctor that does Eastern and Western medicine, I, well, there's a few out there that'll combine it. They will tell you about that. You'll see some ones that are just, you know, Eastern medicine that are firmly believe 100% in all that you know, that there's preventativeness and also treatment without having to use medication.
0: What about exercises? Are there things that you can do to keep your body fit? Like I find I I walk five to 10 puffs a day. I know that's not really like a a certain exercise, but just walking and breathing fresh air helps me calm down a little bit and and maybe uh, at least for an hour, give myself a reprieve of the grief.
2: Yeah. So there are uh, a lot of people use yoga. Uh, That's a really good thing to do. A lot of people do hiking, hiking. There's something about the hiking that gets in nature, that gets your endorphins going, helps you with the depression, helps you move your body physically, gets your, you know, your, what is it called? Your uh, gastrointestinals moving, right. And gets those body working, right. I mean, Think about it, when you're depressed with emotions and you're, I call it, you're emotionally constipated, you've got all that in there, right? And what do you do? You're heavy sitting in it. You don't get out of bed a lot of times. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to get out of your pajamas. And you're hanging at the TV, eating nothing but junk food and laying around, right? So your body is not moving. And whenever I see people, I usually ask them, what are you doing nutrition-wise, physically? And a lot of times, nine times out of 10, they say, oh, well, I used to go to the gym all the time. I have stopped that. Um, I'm not, I'm sleeping either all day or I'm not sleeping at all. Right. And I go, you need to get vitamin D, get out there and get some sunshine. When I was in my depression, when my father died, that's what my husband made me do. He said, he's a nurse. He said, let's go out and take the dogs to the park. You got to get outside. We have all this natural stuff we can use, but we don't, you know? Um, Talk about journaling, Rosie. How is
1: journaling another good exercise for processing grief?
2: It's phenomenal when you journal because I call it kind of, it's what we call the head, soul, and heart dumping. So we have, a lot of times we don't even know what we're feeling. We don't know if a feeling hits us in the face. But when you start writing and you start writing your thoughts and their thoughts really starts to get into your feelings or your feelings get into your thoughts, you start to open up so many channels, right? And it starts to get, you start to develop, you start to realize, you know, some of these feelings that you didn't know were there. You know, you could be disturbed about something like something wasn't going your way that day. and You start writing about that incident. Next thing you know, you, your feelings are coming on paper. And the huge thing to do is not only, you don't stop there. You share it with somebody you can trust. You get it out verbally. So you get it out physically, emotionally, and then you verbally spew it. I call that getting all those toxins on. You don't want those emotions to sit in there and be a storage tank in, you know, storing in your body like a storage tank, you know?
1: Yeah. And I remember you telling me when it was at the height, honestly, of my grief. I remember you said, Katie, you need to journal three times a day and you need to write down what I'm feeling. So typically I might write down all the things that have happened, like, ah, this happened, that happened, this happened. And I realized that wasn't helping. I had to say, I feel like this. I feel like this when this happened. And when I started writing like that, I was like acknowledging how I was really feeling. And it wasn't about the external, it was about the internal. And that's when things started to shift for me. And then I went from like three times a day to once a day to Every other day, you know, then I'm like, I need to keep up the journaling. But it really helped to get in that language of I'm feeling like this when this happened and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times people will say, Rosie, I don't know what I'm going to journal about. You know, I just there's nothing. What do I say? What do I do? You know, like nothing comes up for me. And so I'll even give them some prompts to start out sentences, incomplete sentences where they can finish the sentence. And then get them going. But I usually say, you know what? As you're telling me right now what's going on with you, write that down. All the things you're spewing out, start there. Start, you know, and if it's just your thoughts for a little bit, your feelings will come sooner or later, believe it or not, you know? Said, so, and if you're upset with your ex or your dad or whatever, write him a letter and just tell him what, you know, what he did or what you're upset about. And then the feelings will come out. You know, but I believe that you you can it will come out. The other thing I find is that, um, yeah, you're right, Katie. It's like, you know, so many times people will say, I don't understand how that will work. I just don't get that. You know, I I I write and I say, well, you know what? If you don't try it, you know, we, we have this thing called contempt prior to investigation. There are people just so wanting to be resistant. Then I said, "Well, if you want to get out of your pain, you got to do something different. You got to try this. Don't, don't just put a wall and say, you know what? I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. It's not gonna work.' If you got that mindset, how is it gonna work? You know?"
0: But I want to jump in with something and ask you something. And this is like something I really want to ask you. So, um, my daughter and I are estranged, and. If we never speak again, I'll cope with the grief. I don't see myself ever getting over this loss. I don't ever see myself waking up one day going, you know what? I just moved on. I'm able to process that my daughter and I, you know, never speak to each other again. So my question is, do we always just cope with grief or is it kind of the expectation that eventually you'll get over it. I know it's not one size fits all because, you know, divorce, maybe you move on to a different relationship and you don't think about the divorce as much. With something like a child, um, that's a different kind of loss, at least it is for me. So how do you you move on?
2: Okay. So everybody has a little voice inside of them that needs to speak. And so when you were estranged with your daughter and it still continues on, there is a voice inside of you that is screaming, but nobody is hearing it. Uh Would you admit? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So when we have grief like that, unresolved loss, it is like our voice has been stifled. It's just been stuffed over and over. That's why I say emotionally constipated. It's like and that everybody laughs, but I say it's like a toilet when you stuff it and stuff it and stuff it, right? And there's no plunging, right? It 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 will it will clog it. And so you're clogged. So if you don't start to process all those feelings, because what we do is we tend to judge them, analyze them, dismiss them, because they've been dismissed all our lives. Whether it was somebody or whether it's ourselves or whether it was both, right? So, you know, if you don't process those, you won't. And I don't like the term get over it because I don't think you ever get over it. You you know, she's in your heart. She's in your soul. She's in your head. There's no way that you're going to forget her. When I think of people saying get over it, I think people are saying we're going to forget. no. You're always going to have that sadness. Nobody can take that sadness away from you. But your heart needs to express it and needs to heal from it. And processing is the part of the process, just part of the journey that you do that. Because then when your voice gets spoken, when you get to speak it and you get to feel it, then you get to walk through it, right? Instead of stopping yourself and then... Pull up your bootstraps and keep moving. That doesn't work because it's all internal. As you do that, you will be able to process all the pain, the isolation, the loneliness, the betrayal, all that, the hurt, you'll stick you'll stay with you'll keep your sadness, but you'll be released of those big bricks. And then someday, you'll be able to remember, all the good times without avoiding thinking of the good times because it's going to bring you pain.
0: Can you give me a specific example? Because, so I go to therapy. I walk. I talk to friends. I journal. Like, I, I, I am doing everything that's been advised, but I still keep coming back to, I mean, I've traveled the world recently. And, you know, someone gave me the example, wherever you go, there you are. Right. I could go anywhere in the world and, and my grief follows. It, it it does not leave me. I thought when I started the journey that maybe, you know, uh, the grief would uh, lessen. It it doesn't. So when you're talking about kind of letting your voice be heard, silencing the little voice and um, listening to your, your inner voice. What does that look like,
2: okay. So explain to me what you meant about silencing because I don't believe in silencing any voice. what do you What are you talking about?
0: Okay, then I misunderstood you. Um, you said there's a little voice, and the little voice is talking and, and our voice isn't um it's constipated is oh the word that you
2: i I'm talking about the judgment and that voice that we have in our head that says when you know when we say, you know what? My daughter uh, and I are not strange. That is what it is. I have to accept it. Um, I need to just move on. And what ends up happening is you just stuffed. Like I got pain around this. I've got real sadness. I miss her. I really, really want my I want her back. And yet I'm telling myself because society tells me, you know what? Crap happens. You're not the only dad this happened to. So what are you crying about? It happens to thousands of dads. So then you go into the head because your heart, you're stopping your heart and you go into the head and you go, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, I should. I'm no different. I'm no unique. You know, I can't change anything. So why sit here with it? And then in those nights. When, the, when you're by yourself and you start to, or you get triggered, you see something of hers and all of a sudden those feelings start coming out and you're in the shower by yourself or you're in the car or you're in your room and you're just like unbelievable pain. Right?
0: Yeah. I mean, what you said earlier, you know, about your, your, I think you said it was your dad. Like I travel the world and, and whenever I see a dad with a daughter, it's really hard. Yeah,
2: definitely hard. I can't even imagine. And so when you said, I went to therapy, I would be curious to know what you did in therapy.
0: You know, it's, it's journaling. It's, um, you know, my therapist brought up a really good point the other day. And you're the expert, but I'm going to give out a little advice here. And Katie and I actually talked about this before we recorded When someone's going through grief, sometimes people just want someone to listen or sit with them in grief. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want someone to step in and think they can fix it. They just want someone to sit with them in the grief. So my therapist does that for me. Again, I journal. She's talked to me about exercising. You know, I know medication is an option. I have not chosen to do that at this point. Um, those are some of the things, you know, and, and also I guess, uh, you know, it depends on the loss, whether it's a divorce or the situation I'm in, mean, like trying to give yourself some grace. You know, we had Dr. Shefali on episode two, a parenting episode, and she talked about giving ourselves grace as parents. And, um, so those are some of the things that, you know, I continue to work with my therapist on to try and process the grief? Um, I don't know if that answers your question.
2: Well, that's, that is funny because I know Katie and I, we, you know, she knows that's my firm believer that people need someone to listen, the heart with ears, right? We don't want to fix it. We don't want to tell them they're wrong. We don't want to, um, you know, give them advice, any of that. They just want to, be there as a witness and validate them through silence is probably the best thing you can do when somebody's going through grief, you know? And if they are okay with a hug, you know, you give them a hug, you know, but you're you're there for them. You're present with them. Um, but one thing that I I find that helps when I work with people is I have them walk through the whole relationship. See, a lot of times we are stuck in the ending of it. And that's what we're grieving all the time. Like all the things that happened in the last couple of years or the 10 years you've been in strange and right before, and what, you know, all that. But you have this other part of your life that you had with her. I call it the good part. So we're grieving the good, bad, and ugly. We're not just grieving that she's gone. We're not just grieving how it happened. We're not just grieving, you know, what led up to the estrangement. We're grieving her whole life with you. And so if your therapist is taking you through that journey, that's how we walk through the grief. We don't just walk through the grief about journaling how we're feeling in the present. There's so much that happened in the past and so much that we're not going to get in the future and in the present. And we bring it all together and we complete the relationship that you had with her because now this relationship that you had with her is over the physical part and that emotional part, right? And that mental part. So that you want to complete so you can start a new relationship with her, whatever that work is. I don't know your circumstances if someday she's going to come back because she becomes an adult and she can see you again and she chooses to, to find you or, someday there'll be a healing because a lot of times we don't even realize, like you said, you know, if I knew what it was that, you know, that might have caused this estrangement, I would own it.
0: So, yes, my hope would be that at some point uh, if she's able to get out on her own and she grows up and matures, that there would be a, a reparation of the relationship. So, you know, I don't look at this as a closed relationship i look at it as hopefully a paused relationship that does lead to something down the road right
2: so
1: i just want to jump it can i just say a little quick thing because of i find it fascinating rosie what you have and what brian's saying his experience with a therapist and you asking what did you do there and they talk about the grief work and what i think is that connection to more of the recovery is what that actual grief recovery process, which therapists don't do unless they're like you, an advanced grief specialist or a grief specialist. And the technique of that is so interesting when you're charting an entire relationship from the beginning to the current day and then going through and really making those statements about, you know, what you're sorry about, you know, what you want to be, you know, what you forgive them for, what you're grateful for. And, and that has been you know that's been so healing but I think that's where a lot of people you know you say you can be grieving and you just never really make process make progress and I know that I really hadn't until I started to do that and it's it's an absolute ton of work it's a ton of time it's a ton of writing and then you read it to somebody when it's ready to go and um, it it works it really mm-hmm. does work but it's a special process and i think that's something that it's good for our listeners to know that there's this thing out there called the grief recovery process and someone like you can you know a specialist can help people through this
2: this process correct correct that's very good Katie, yeah and i and and that's what um i was going to say too is interesting is that when we go through that process sometimes we think it's the grief with The person that we're estranged to or the one that we're, you know, the the biggest, the thorn, right? The thing that, the relationship that is hard to, um, that's got us stuck, right? I mean, you have that going on with your daughter, you and your daughter right now. But there may be so much. What we, we open up is we find out there's other grief relationships that need to be healed also that are
0: connected. What would be an example? Well. I mean, I know you don't know my situation, but just like in a situation in general, right? what would be an example of that?
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, there's two things I'm going to say. One, you may, not, you may not agree with, because I don't know their circumstances, but one of them can be your ex-wife, you know? And the other thing I want to say, is, is this the only relationship you've ever been estranged from in your life?
0: Uh, One of two.
2: So I would invite you to look at the other one as well.
0: And I have. It's really interesting. Uh, I have. I I look at it very differently now that Mm -hmm. I'm estranged from my child than I did previously. So I think Mm -hmm. that's really good advice.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. There can be patterns and, um, you know, certainly there can be, uh, I agree with you. Like, you know, if I had done some things differently, maybe this would have turned out differently, but, um, you know, I did what I thought was best for my daughter. So that's how we're at this, this place. But I do think it's a good process, like you just said, to go through What do your other relationships look like? Are there patterns? Um, you know, and, and again, I totally believe in taking accountability and Mm -hmm. I want to know how I can be a better person. And, you know, one of the things Katie and I have talked about on this podcast is when you're finding yourself single, like, how do we learn from our past Mm -hmm. and not repeat the same mistakes or have different patterns going forward that ultimately don't lead us back into this place because it is a painful place. Mm-hmm.
2: And one of the things I find with grief recovery is that what we get from it and and people are blown away about this a lot of times is we learn the gift of forgiveness and compassion and our transparency, you know, it's just huge. And when you start, when you get people, because I feel like you got two people on the hook when you have the anger and resentment, you know, going on conflict. And it's you and that person. In order for you to be free, you have to let the other person off first. And so there's work that gets done with that. You know, I really say that when we come, when people come to me, we've got a story in our head. And I mean, we we will say we have turned every stone and there's nothing that I've done or or they're they're the big bad bully, or they're the wonderful person. They're either up here in the what do they call it, the um, sainthood, or they're in bedevilment, right? One or the other. But when we do this work, we get to take a look at that whole relationship and that whole human being, as well as ourselves, and we get so much awareness, acceptance, you know, application tools to process and to use on all our other relationships as well as that one, but to heal, you know?
0: Let me ask you something just really quick. So you're talking about forgiveness and many people listening to this podcast are single because of divorce or a relationship that has ended. Are you saying go back to your ex and literally tell them with words or in a letter, forgive them? Or are you just vibe wise In the world, in your own mind, sending them the vibe of, I've let you off the hook, as you say, or I've forgiven you. What does that look like specifically? Because I I bet a lot of people listening to this right now are going, wait a minute, do I need to actually get in touch with my ex, have a conversation with them and say, I forgive you?
1: No. Brian, you you have to sign up for this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sold. I I mean, I'm I'm like... Because I've done it, I'm like I can answer that. You know, it's it's yeah. like it's exciting. You know, because I thought the same thing. Do I have to go to this person? And and, and <laughs> no, no, you don't. But you have to work through it, and the work is done through all this writing and okay. organizing of you know of of different things. I'll let you explain, Rosie. But um, it's it's an amazing process. But yeah, it's very hard to understand. And I just want to say one quick thing. Well, before she explains it a little bit more. That what I think is interesting is you can go to someone like a grief specialist for one reason thinking, I can't get over this thing, whatever this thing is, but you could end up working on a completely different relationship to get there. And I call those the source relationships. Because if you can heal the source relationship, then all the other ones seem to kind of dissipate, you know, and and there'll be many more until we do, right? It'll happen again and again and again. So um, anyway. I'm just a proud graduate. No, you never graduate, but I'm a proud student. So I had to jump in. But go ahead,
2: Rosie, with explaining yeah, how that yeah. works. Well, thank you, Katie. Yeah. Um, so forgiveness is, and a lot of people th- misunderstand forgiveness. They think forgiveness is letting that person, and I use the hook a lot, letting them off the hook. It's not necessarily letting them off the hook for them. It's letting them off the hook for you. So forgiveness is really about you. They're, they're living in their lives rent-free space. They don't even know, you know, or even care that you're angry at them, right? <laughs> you yeah, have, there's resentment. They're sleeping soundly. You're the one that's messed up with it, with the anger and the resentment, right? So it's about it's about doing the work for yourself to let go of that and forgive. And you never forgive somebody in person or in a letter, you don't write that. Because really, if you're go- if you're going to that person and, you know, um, wanting to forgive them or asking for forgiveness, you really need to make an apology, if anything. But it's not about going to them because they're going to, most nine times out of 10, you're going to go to somebody, you're going to say, well, I want to forgive you for blah, 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 blah. They're going to go, what are you talking about? Forgive me. <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't do anything, you know? Uh-huh. I, you, you need to apologize. And then you get into that, you know, and you make it worse. You know, they they don't need to know whether you forgive them or not. This is about you and you getting your, what I call um, relief, uh, peace, your peace. We do it to get our own peace, but it doesn't have anything to do, go and tell them about it. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Rosie, I want to ask you um, about divorce, if that's okay. Um, I, was, we, I was thinking about talking to you, and as I, as I was, maybe it's my, my education background, but I drew this this mind map, right? And I, worked, I put the word divorce, and I put a big circle around it. And I started making like little lines to all the different losses that we incur with this thing called divorce. And I came up with a list. Um, And that list includes, you know, we lose our partner. We lose a special relationship or a relationship. We lose uh, our sense of family. In some cases, we lose children. We lose a lifestyle. We lose routines, friend groups, extended family on the other side, dreams, marital status of being married, identification as a husband or wife is lost. We could lose our estate, home money, shared activities. I mean, it's just, I honestly start feeling a little ill even saying all this. It's just overwhelming. So how does someone even begin to unravel all of that? I mean, are there steps in that when someone comes to you with all of that? Where do you start?
2: Well, it's interesting you say that because I've done that with people where I do that and I put the person in the middle of the circle, their person that they're divorcing, And then I put the circle and then I put the little lines going out, right? Just like you're talking about. And we talk about all those things, plus also the roles that that person played in their life. They were the carpool person. They were the cook. They were the dance partner. They were the lover. They were the uh, soulmate. You know what I mean? All the roles. And I say, because a lot of people will say, you know, my family is so sick of me being sad or or having a hard time letting go because they say you know how long is it going to be? It's 5 years, you know, what are you going to get over this person? That's why I hate that word get over, right? When are you going to get over? It's like you know what? You're grieving 20 people. You're not grieving one person. People forget that. People think you're grieving one wife or one husband. No. You're grieving 20 roles of that person, 20 significant relationships you had with that person, right? And all the familiar patterns, behaviors and all the things going with that. And you're right. It's you're also grieving, you know, the the things you used to do, you know, the um, you were talking about the lifestyle, you know. Like how many people get divorced and all of a sudden they don't have any friends because all their friends were partner up with other relationships and like, who do I hang out with now? I don't have any single friends, you know, and I have a child that that we used to go to birthday parties with um, the other family, you know, and they're all at family together. Now they have to take a choice between me and my husband, my ex, whether who's going to take her to the party because they're uncomfortable. You know, so you're grieving all that. So how we go through this process is like everything. When you grieve that significant relationship, you address all those things in that process of that. So when, you're ha- when I talk about having the voice, you start speaking to all those things that are coming up for you. All those things, like you said, you know, the lifestyle, you know, I need you to know this about what happened to my lifestyle, what you took from me, you know? Mm-hmm. I need you to to know how hard it is, how I miss blah, 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 how I hate blah, 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 how I loved blah, 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 you know?
1: And you say that, like, that's part of the final letter that you're writing to this person that you'll never give to them, but you'll read mm-hmm. it to somebody else, like a grief spot. yeah, okay. Right, right. Okay, so it's a part of that... Grief on um, recovery process to make all the statements around these activities and aspects. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then we can... and,
2: and sometimes we go through that process and then we have this thing called a PS letter. Like afterwards, you've done all that work, but then this comes up. This comes up later on. All of a sudden, you're at maybe the Laker game, you know, and you know, they, you used to go to the Laker game with them and and then you get triggered, whatever. And all of a sudden, this huge sadness of you had these passes for 20 years to the Laker game came up and she was always or he was always with you. And, you know, and you even did the you did a weekend trip every year. And that comes up and you had already done your all your work on them. And all of a sudden this comes up and you find yourself sobbing in the hotel room by yourself or wherever or driving home. You write a P.S. letter and need to tell you what happened today. You know, I was at the Laker game. Remember, blah, 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 blah. I need to tell you how much it sucked sitting in those chairs.
1: Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank uh, goodness. We could write P S S S S S letters because, you know, it keeps happening. There's, <laughs> it just it doesn't unravel all in a month or a week or a year. Right. Like you say, down the road, you, you keep writing those letters and, and, but the, and that, part of that process.
2: Yeah, but the amazing thing that happens is then you get to end that thing saying, and I'm not going to let that rule my life anymore. I'm going to go to those Laker games, damn it, without you and start new memories, you know? And it takes, I think it takes like, you know, like when you've got yourself so full of emotion, it takes the steam kettle we talk about, right? It takes that steam out. So each time it gets easier and easier because see... They used to say time heals. Time doesn't heal. It's the action in the time. It's what you do with it. It's how you you let that stuff come out. So then it's not overwhelming anymore. It's not owning you anymore. And then next time something like that happens, you go, Oh yeah, yeah, I am sad about that. But I'm not it's not taking me down. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, thanks for that. That's really helpful.
0: Rosie. Uh, sometimes when we experience loss in relationships, especially something like divorce, we try and fill the void with another person. Sometimes it's great and you have a better relationship the second, third, fourth time around. Sometimes you're just filling the void and, and that person's allowing you to go to the Lakers game and go do couples things and go do things that you're also missing as you and Katie just pointed, pointed out. Do you have advice for when you've processed the grief to a point, like we said, you you never fully process it, but to a point where you know you're not just filling the void and and trauma bonding, you are actually moving on with someone because you're ready to do so?
2: Well, I think that first of all, everybody has a, a different time and space for that, right? But I think when you are actively doing your work to process this and you come to a place where, you know, you're really OK with being by yourself, that it, a relationship would be nice to enhance your life, you know, but it's not something you need, not something to fill your cup. You know, you know, they used to have that one. Uh, I that favorite when I, Tom Cruise, my favorite you know, guy, and he has this movie where it says, you complete me. You know, like, a oh, yes, you complete me like, oh, no, 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 they that another person shouldn't complete you. Right. You should be completed. And, you know, it can enhance your relationship. You know, it's a little frosted on the cake, but you should be, you know, good with or without them, you know. So if I'm finding myself lonely or bored and I just need to have somebody in my life because I can't take it. You're not ready, you know, because what ends up is you end up in relationship with somebody exactly like, or somebody that is opposite, and you're totally comparing all the time. Well, they're not, you know what? They don't eat hot dogs at the Laker game like my little gal used to eat. You know, they don't like the same. You know, they're they're not paying attention. They're doing their nails at the and and she used to get right in it. You know, and so then you get upset because she isn't that person.
1: Yeah. I love that imagery of, of doing her nails. <laughs> oh, that would drive me crazy. Okay. Um so I have a question. Um, you know, you start to date someone, right? And you're in coming out of this, okay, I'm feeling I'm feeling like I've got myself. I'm I'm whole. I'm good, right? You start to date and it's uncomfortable because it's new, right? So mm-hmm. how do you know though that it's is it too soon or is it just that you need to test the waters and you need to get beyond that fear? How do you know kind of which one you're feeling?
2: Well, I think for everybody, you know, when you haven't been in the dating scene for a while or you're starting out a new dating thing and, and you've been hurt, you know, let's face it, you know, you've been hurt and it's hard, right? And you, the trust level isn't going to be 110 percent, right? But, you know, you know now the red flags, you know, the things that, you know, hopefully things that more than anything, you know how to communicate. I think one of the things that's really hard in relationships is we don't communicate. So when we lose a relationship, we go back and review that relationship. That's why that grief recovery is so good, because it's talking about communication, you know, that when we don't communicate, we disconnect and we disconnect. Years before the relationship, I, don't, I can't even think of one person I've dealt with with divorce that have said they had wonderful communication all the way to the end. No, it stopped like five years before that when we start reviewing it. Oh, we disconnected years ago. Of course, it just didn't end like that. People go for emotional affairs. Why is it? Because they need somebody to listen to. They're communicating with that other person. Emotional affairs scare me more than the physical ones, to tell you the truth. So, anyways, when you look at that and you go, "Okay, I'm gonna get, I'm in this relationship, and I get uncomfortable," you know, you get to you get to identify that. That's the journal piece too. You know, I'm uncomfortable. This is making me scared. What's the scary part about it? And also, it's probably good to be able to communicate communicate with that other person you're dating. Hey, you know what? This is really new to me. I need to tell you that I'm a little apprehensive with this, you know, right now. I really, really like you. I want this to go further. But I'm going to tell you, honest you, I'm a little anxious about this and nervous about it. Something I have to work through, you know, and, and walk through it. And, you know, just being honest with it, because we tend to sabotage our new relationships out of fear, out of bringing... I call it that little knapsack of all your past. And that's why when you do this grief work, you're really trying to let go of some of that past. So you're not bringing it into a new relationship or at least you can identify it now. And when it pops up, you go, oh, oh yeah, that I should have left it out, that out the door, you know? Especially when somebody's hurt you, like, you know, when they've cheated on you, you know? And I always talk about this, somebody comes home, you know, you're in a new relationship and they're late. They're an hour late getting to the place where you were supposed to meet. Brings up all that abandonment, all that fear, all that rejection, all that they must be cheating. They must be, they don't want me, blah, blah, blah. I'm not significant. You go through all this stuff. And if you've done your grief work with the other relationship, you could go, okay, Let's what's this about? Oh, yeah, this happened to me in the past. It it may look like it, it may feel like it, may smell like it, but it's not. This is Joanne, this is Joe, this isn't Harriet, this isn't, you know, um, John. Two different people. So I get to share and say, you know what, when you were late, I didn't know what happened to you. But I need to tell you that it, it, you know, I, I wondered what was going on for me, you know, what was going on with you. Is It was, it was kind of, it brought back some bad memories. I know this isn't new, but it, it's just really need to check that out, you know?
1: Yeah. That's something I wanted to ask you next. I have one more question for you. Um, So, you know, you're getting into a new relationship, let's just say. And, you know, each party has come from a complete life if prior. So how do you continue to work through the losses of, you know, you're, of your divorce, and they're working through you know the other losses too. How do you do that together? And a communication is one thing you just mentioned. I mean, maybe that's the big thing, but um, mm-hmm. and how do you navigate that though? Because it's a lot. Whether they were married before or not, there's things that they're working through that are important to them, and you're you still have your divorce. So, any any recommendations or
2: suggestions for our listeners on that? Well, I think it's really important mm-hmm. that you each do your own tune ups. You know, I really think that. When you have a a good, sound support system, whether it's a recovery community, whether it's a therapist, whether, you know, that you're each working on your individual stuff because we always bring individual stuff into a relationship. I don't care if it's like, oh, yeah, I worked on those wounds years ago or whatever. They can get triggered, right? And when they get triggered, you know, it's time to go get a tune up, you know, and not necessarily together because it's usually each person's stuff. So they can identify it because it's so easy to blame the other person, you know, well, they did this, they did that. And then you start damaging that relationship. So it's important that you go and check out what's going on with me. I always say when you are disturbed, it has more to do with you than that other person, believe it or not. Think about it. Yeah.
0: Powerful.
1: Listen, do we have to? (laughs) <laughs> no, it, it is. It's it's so true. It's so true. It's like that when you're pointing a finger at someone, there's how many pointing back at you, right? It's mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. Terrible. Um, Rosie, this has been really helpful.
0: Rosie, thank you so much. This has been so enlightening for us, and I know our audience will have lots of takeaways. I know one of my big takeaway is that charting of the entire relationship. Um, I, I think that's really important. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I think working with a grief specialist like yourself, someone who uh, knows what they're doing and specializes in this uh, is really important too. Um, And you've just given our listeners lots of uh, great insight. So we appreciate you joining us and your expertise.
2: All right. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for having me on and Love you, Katie, and it was so a pleasure to meet you as well, Brian, and um, take care. Be blessed.
0: Well, welcome back, everyone. What an amazing conversation with Rosie. I hope everyone learned something. I know I did. I know there's some great takeaways from this conversation. And Katie, you know, reflecting on season one of "The Finding Yourself Single" podcast, some amazing guests that we've had on. I mean, we've covered topics from parenting to navigating the family legal system to getting divorced without attorneys to dating and sex post 40 to grief and loss. When we talked about doing this podcast together, these were many of the topics that we wanted to cover. And it just kind of magically fell into place where we got some great experts to talk to about each of these and i feel like we hit a home run with every guest that we had on we
1: we really did and i don't even know if we knew when we started talking that that would happen i don't think we knew to this extent. we did yeah no yeah how how great it would be um starting off with dr Shafali to this moment i just get honestly goosebumps thinking about you know all we learned there from her and uh you know it still comes up you know Jem's still come up with me with, with that conversation and so many of the other ones. So it's been fantastic.
0: And we want to do more seasons of this. I mean, one of the things I think both you and I have heard from listeners is that these are topics that aren't being talked about enough, especially for that 40 plus crowd. No one's really targeting them and saying, hey, here's how you can navigate all the things that we've discussed so far in season one. And we're hearing more topics that could be discussed in future seasons. So, you know, we want to build this community and we're open to ideas. I mean, if you're listening to this and, you know, you're rallying the 40 plus singles and divorce folks, and, you know, we can incorporate these learnings from the podcast into what you're doing, we'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas for future topics, if you're a company out there who wants to be a sponsor of the Finding Yourself Single podcast and you want to reach our listening audience, and I think it's a very um, targeted audience that could be reached, let us hear from you at single at gmail.com. But, uh, you know, Katie, I, I wanted to see kind of how this first season went. And to be honest with you, it exceeded my expectation so that's why I'm looking forward to future seasons and continuing to work with you on all of this
1: well thank you I'm so excited to be a part of it I have been since the beginning and um, yeah I really feel honored to be a part of this project it's um it's something that I just it doesn't feel like work it's just exciting it's fun it's um, you know it's new and we're learning and we're helping and we're growing a community so Um, nothing better than I than that that I would like to be a part of. Um, and yeah, going forward, I'm just really excited. I think what we've done is we have some really great themes around uh people in our age group and situations. Um and they're very, they're very similar, you know, parenting and grief and dating and you know, the divorce process, all of it is it really intertwines. So I think um, we started something really great here. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what's next. And even really growing our community is going to be a big part of that. I feel like this season two, um, I'm sensing we're going to be growing a community and hearing from more people.
0: I agree. I think we are going to hear from more people. And, you know, I hear from people all the time about, oh, I have a friend going through this. So I shared episode whatever of your podcast with them. and. You know, it, it's like giving someone a book or nuggets of advice, like when they share our podcast with friends who are struggling with some of these things, it's a compliment. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to give people tools to help them navigate some of this stuff. You know, I'm proud of the fact that if you go on to Apple Podcasts, I don't want to jinx it, Katie, but every single rating that we've gotten so far. Five star rating—it's the highest rating you can get. We've only got five star ratings so far, and one of the reviews was, "I love this podcast because it's real and raw." Well, we've said that—like we want this to be real and raw. You can't really dress this stuff up too much, and you know we've had uh, Doctor Schifali kept it real with parenting, right? uh, Amanda List kept it real with navigating the family legal system. Um, you know, I feel like all of our guests have really brought the real and the raw. And, um, I think that benefits our listeners. I know I like hearing the real and the raw, like give it to me straight. Don't put whipped cream on it. Like just give it to me straight. And I, I think that's what this podcast has been able to do in season one.
1: I agree. Yeah. And as you were saying that, I thought, yeah, I feel like I really got nailed with that one. You know, like you're like Dr. Shabali, you know, like you think you did a great job parenting and I do think we all do the best we can do, but then you find out this and I've had friends say, "Wow, well, I guess I can use it on my grandkids because it's a little too late now. I wish I had this earlier, you know." And, you know, I have really learned a lot. Same with um, you know, Maisha Battle and mm-hmm. honestly, like she gave me the comfort and confidence to go on my first dating app (laughs) yeah Yeah. just saying um I said I'd never do it and you know there was she said enough and the way she said it to make me realize yeah I can and it's time and so um sometimes I think it's good to hear the real and the raw and you know face that and face yourself and I really hope that's what's happening for more people out there
0: Yeah. And look, you know, I know the other thing that we talked about in episode one, when it was just the two of us was being vulnerable. And, you know, I feel like we've done that and, and, you know, we have shed some tears, me probably more than you, (laughs) but, uh, you know, like, I think people can relate when they know other people are going through tough times too. Um, and I think, you know, I've heard from several people, like they appreciate the vulnerability that we've shown. And again, it's real and raw. Like we're not trying to make this into something it isn't, or, you know, pretend that this isn't really a difficult time, um, whether it's after divorce or estrangement or, you know, loss of any kind. Um, you know, I, these are, these are tough topics. Um, and. I just think the more tools that we can give the audience, I mean, when you and I first talked, I said to you, if we can do this podcast and help just one person, then for me, it's worth it. And we've heard from people that we've helped. So like mission accomplished for season one. I think we both hope that there's more to come, but um, I'm glad we're helping people. And I know this has been therapeutic for me as well. So, you know, selfishly, I'm helping myself as well.
1: Well, right. And, you know, I think that's the point. And by the title of our podcast, Finding Yourself Single, really, really learning and hope, for em- hope that we're emphasizing, too, that it's not just because we're divorced, we're doing this work. You're always a single person. You're one whole person and you can find yourself at any stage of your life. However, when you're divorced and you're faced with all these losses that we talk about in this, this previous episode it's a perfect time to, to to stand back and do some work, right? So I guess I, I feel like going forward, that's another reason why to really kind of join arms with the community and say, hey, this isn't easy, but guess what? You know, We, this, we can be the best versions of ourselves if we do the work and it's also can be fun, you know? So, you know, it's all of that. And I, and I feel the same way, you know, I've learned, I learned a lot And I got a long way to go, but, um, Hey, we're, we're on the train now. So let's keep going.
0: You're a podcast pro now.
1: I'm pro. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're a dating app
0: pro. Look at you go.
1: Right. I know. I know. I, um, yes, that's all I'll say. I've had a couple conversations already.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm. Proud of you. And, you know, we continue to evolve, and I'm sure our audience is continuing to evolve as well. And, you know, I think we look forward to season two. Before we wrap, is there anything like top of mind with you right now that if we could cover in season two, you're like, ooh, I can't wait to try and find someone to talk about that with us?
1: Well, I did have someone suggest that we do something about. The first date
0: mm.
1: after divorce, mm. right? The first date, like first date stories kind yeah. of. Yeah, um, that would be, be interesting. It'd be kind of fun. So that, that's one. How about you? Do you have any ideas?
0: Well, you know, I'm not going to say I feel bad, but like we talked about it, I think in episode one, and I really do want to get to it eventually in, in season two, is adult children reflecting yeah. on divorce and how it impacted yeah. them um you know right. we're not looking for five-year-olds here we're looking for adult children who can look back and say now nah, i wish my parent maybe would have done this differently or like because i think we rarely hear that perspective mm-hmm. um, and we rarely hear that reflection and if we were able to talk to a few young adults who come from a divorced family, I just think that would be a really interesting perspective.
1: I do too. Right. And that can be so many ages in that, you know, mm-hmm. even people in our age group looking back and,
0: right. uh, or,
1: or young, young adults right now in their twenties, um, kind of looking back and there's so many different ways you know and i and i know that so co- some people co-parent really well as well and they've worked things out really well for their their kids and sometimes it's not as possible so that will be that will be interesting yeah yeah i definitely want to hear from you know our audience as to what they'd like what mm-hmm. they'd like us to bring forward but yeah i know we're gonna have a lot of good um good episodes coming up in conversations
0: all right so Again, some reminders here, listen to all episodes of the finding yourself single podcast on Apple and Spotify podcast and podcast platforms everywhere. Share the podcast. You can share specific episodes. You can share the main link, but share the podcast with your friends who are dealing with some of the topics that we're covering on the podcast. Katie, like you said earlier, I had so many of my parent friends say, oh my gosh, I think I've been doing this all wrong. After Hearing from Dr. Shafali, I think we all kind of paused and reflected, and I know so many people have gone out and bought her book, The Parenting Map. Follow us on Instagram at Finding Yourself Single and on Twitter at Find S-N-G. You can email us with your personal story of Finding Yourself Single, or like Katie said, send us your topic ideas if you have like an amazing guest suggestion, a guest expert Email us those ideas at single at com. And like we said, you know, we want to do a season two. Um, I can't sit here and tell you right now when that's going to be. Hopefully it won't be too long. You know, I don't, I just like my favorite uh, streaming TV show. Like I don't like waiting a year in between, you know, seasons of Ted Lasso or uh, Succession or, um, any Ozark, any of these shows that I like. So I know our audience, Katie, they're not gonna want to wait months or a year for season two. So I feel like we need to probably get season two going sooner than later, don't you think?
1: I do. And I and I also think if that's the case, we want to hear from you. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so write in and let us know. You want to hear season two. Um, you know, just even that would be great to hear. But I, I agree. It's it's also for our, you know, it's just we've got this great momentum going. And uh, I feel like we just want to keep it going. So, yeah. yeah, that's the plan.
0: And I want to give special thanks to a couple people. Uh, and we thank Tom Selma in episode one. But thank you, Tom, for introducing me to Katie. Thank you for the name of this podcast, Finding Yourself Single. It appeared on a long walk that Tom and I had in in Florida. Tom is a, a very wise man on a number of levels. So uh, those were two key pieces to getting this off the ground. Um, and then I want to thank Brian Griggs, who, you know, is my producer for Sports Business Radio, has been with me for a long time. Um, let's just say there's been a little more editing involved in, in this because of me, mostly, uh, whether it's Tearshed or... You know, I think, honestly, we, we wanted to be really careful with what we said um, about our past and respectful to people that have been part of our past. And, you know, he has been a big part of the success of season one and, and taking the time and diligence to do this the right way. So I just want to give a shout out to to Griggs for uh, going above and beyond with helping us make this sound professional and, and really great.
1: Yes. Amazing job, Griggs. It does sound so great, you know, and uh, looking forward to meeting you one day as well, Griggs. <laughs> and uh, Tom, my brother-in-law. Yeah. One of my trusted advisors as well.
0: So, so thankful. Anything else before we wrap up season one, Katie?
1: I just would say you know, I'm just grateful. Really grateful for this, this season, um, Brian, getting to know you and learning so much from you as a um, co-host. And, um, you know, looking forward to learning more as we go.
0: Yeah, right back at you. I mean, it's been, you know, I think sometimes people come into our lives for certain reasons. And, you know, again, Tom was wise enough to uh, bring us together. And it's been great. And it's been a pleasure working with you. And uh, I look forward to more seasons to come. I mean, not to put any pressure on us. uh, My other podcast is on year 19. So, (laughs) you know. we're going to have to try and reach those those levels katie are you up for that
1: i'm totally up for that
0: (laughs) all right i would love to be in year 19 of finding yourself single with uh, a community of people all over the world that are benefiting from the knowledge dropped by our experts and that we feel like we're all rowing in the same direction wouldn't that be amazing
1: yeah it would be amazing for for us for everybody and also the people that you know you're around because the, the more work you do on yourself the more people you affect so this is the kind of project it is and hopefully that's what we'll be bringing forth
0: all right everyone thank you so much for listening to season one of the finding yourself single podcast again please share this with people who you think may be able to benefit from the expertise shared by the guests on this podcast and even us you know, being vulnerable with, with our stories. And we will see you soon for season two.
1: Okay, see you soon, everyone.
0: Email the hosts at findingyourselfsingle at gmail.com. Follow the Finding Yourself Single podcast on Twitter at findyourselfsng and on Instagram at findingyourselfsingle. Listen to all episodes of the Finding Yourself Single podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and podcast platforms everywhere. Finding yourself single is a production of Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.